And that means you have a one-time fee to any attorney who's competent in this area. And it can provide you peace of mind for your family. Ensure that your family will not break up because of money afterwards. Protect your tax implications and protect you from any creditor, divorcing spouse, tenant. Why wouldn't you do it? Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. My resource freebie this month is the COVID-19 Asset Protection Guide. This includes several of the best practice steps that I myself am implementing at my apartment communities, as well as other syndicators I've spoken with. You can find this guide and practical steps to implement immediately at www.elliepearlman.com resources. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us and don't forget to like and follow along with me on social media as well. All right, so my guest today is Natalie Alicia. Natalie is a wealth preservation expert and a very close friend of mine. She advises real estate owners on how to minimize their tax implications, maximize their legacy, and protect their assets from disgruntled tenants, divorcing spouses, and any other creditors that might exist. She has been seen on Good Morning America, BBC, Fox News, CBS, Yahoo Finance, HLN, Law and Crime, I-24 News, and Court TV, and has written articles and been featured as a wealth expert in Cosmopolitan, Kiplinger, in Partners Magazines. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you, Ellie, so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be with one of my best friends in the world, who is truly a thought leader, and having this wonderful conversation that I know we'll have today. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you started as a wealth preservation expert? Sure. So when I was in law school, I really enjoyed the area of trust and estates, which is usually a snooze fest for anyone else, right? So I said, oh my God, it's beyond wills and trusts. It's really about how do we make a legacy for ourselves? And legacy has been at the cornerstone of everything I've done. So I started in-house actually in a real estate development company with a tremendous background and tremendous assets. I then went to a trust and estates firm where I learned the business. And at the ripe old age of 24 years old, I hung my shingle and I said, I can do this too. And thank goodness it's been working out pretty well for the better part of this past decade. So that's a little bit about how I got into trust and estates. And I have to tell you, Ellie, when you hear all these things about lawyers being so terrible, I agree for the most part. I think the caveat, though, is people who are in my area of law, because we ensure that even if you get sued, which is almost a guarantee in today's extremely litigious society, let's be real, there's too many lawyers. But 
if you can ensure that you can completely settle any case for pennies on the dollar or force them to walk away because you are so well protected that they're just going to waste their time and money chasing empty well, you better believe that I'm going to ensure that everyone does that to the best of my capacity. And that's what asset protection does. And that is what the right trust and estates plan can do when it's not just your, I love you, Will. We're going to go a step or two beyond that. That's great. And you're absolutely right. In today's you know, environment, real estate owners are being sued you know, right and left. And there really should be a vehicle, a tool that can help you know, owners protect their assets, protect their wealth, and protect themselves from you know, being sued. And when we're talking about the assets, what type of real estate assets have your client protected themselves through, you know, wealth preservation tools throughout the years with you? So every kind of real estate or any asset, really. So the most traditional is your home, right? Your typical home. That's what most people have, the so-called American dream. Then we go a step beyond that. And let's say you have some multifamily properties. Fantastic. All the way up to portfolios. Because when you have that much property, you now have different kinds of good problems. And those good problems are, okay, the fear of lawsuits and also taxes and tax ramifications beyond your property tax bill and beyond your income tax. Now we're talking about what's your basis. Are you going to sell by capital gains? You know, so are we doing a 1031 exchange? What else can we do to minimize the tax implication? So the more and more wealthy you become, the more and more you need someone like me because there's more and more, you know, the ones that are the highest can fall the lowest, as they say. You want to ensure that on the way up, you're protected so that you'll never have to come down. That's great. And I think it's really important. And as investors and real estate owners accumulate more and more assets, that becomes a very, very important issue that they need to take care of. No doubt. Ellie, and I just want to point out that building my empire can probably really resonate with many of your viewers. And we all take such pride in what we do. But here's the thing. Sometimes are we building on a very weak foundation? And nine times out of 10, I find that many of my clients unfortunately are, and they're not properly protected. And that breaks my heart because I know how hard you work. I know how hard your peers work. And to just not have the right things in place to make sure that it's profitable, no matter the IRR, but really on the base, that's what people miss often. Absolutely. And I think we don't really pay a lot of attention to that because the main focus is, hey, let's get the deal. Let's, you know, let's make money. Let's take care of tenants. Let's fix the property. But not enough is, you know, time is being dedicated to think, how can I protect myself? You know, I think the initial thought is, you know, I have insurance. I'm protected. And so, you know, I want to talk about the strategy part, especially, you know, understanding why wealth preservation, I think it's, it's clear, but you know, how is it different, you know, compared to an insurance? So if I say, Hey, I get an insurance on my property, why do I really need to take the next step, the next level and look at wealth preservation? What does it give me that insurance doesn't? 
Sure. Insurance is an absolute must. This is not in subtraction of insurance. However, insurance policies and insurance companies own some of the biggest properties in Manhattan, you know, the New York Life Building, etc. It's not because they made their money paying out on claims. So you can have an amazing insurance policy, but let me ask you, how many people are reading those hundreds of pages of policy and understanding what the hell it really means? Even from a personal example, my husband in the 91 Oakland fires lost their house and his mother in the fire. I mean, it's clear as day. It was a fire spreading through Oakland, had to fight the insurance company for years to get money out. Well, guess what? Where do you go in the meantime? You just lost your property. Who's paying that bill? How about in the Malibu fires that happened not too long ago? People lost the shirt on their back. So here's the thing. Insurance is a must. But how do we not just put one thing up and say we're good, but protect ourselves from every angle? And I think a wealth preservation plan is like a souped up insurance policy. So it's not just, you know, maybe if... Let's say there's a lawsuit, very high likelihood in the real estate game and in pretty much any business owner game that there's going to be a lawsuit coming. How do you protect yourself? And it's internal and external, Ellie, because here's the thing. You don't have to wait for a fire or devastating thing. What's the person most likely to sue you? Quite honestly, your spouse. Because in America, we don't have a great divorce track record. And if it's more than a 50% likelihood that your spouse could one day be the one providing a lawsuit against you, how do you also protect against that? Let's say you're not so worried about that, but you are worried about, you have three kids, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Tom's a trustworthy guy. He's working in the family business. He's building. Harry, hard worker, you know, he's out there. He's not in the business, but he's doing well. And Dick, well, we don't need another adjective for him. He's just Dick. And what if he wants to be a problem for trustworthy Tom and hardworking Harry down the road? How do we ensure that that doesn't happen? Because let me ask you something. If you are illiquid, which most real estate owners are, they'd like to be in either real estate or in socks, you, you typically don't find people who are so well diversified. So if all your money is tied up in your real estate and you are disabled or dead, which we all will be dead one day and we hope not disabled, what happens? Now your kids can't get along. There's no liquidity. You have to sell the property. Maybe it's in a down market. And if that's the case, what the hell do you do? You sell at a loss. And if you have partners and they didn't die, guess what? Their basis didn't get stepped up like yours did. So now they're going to be pissed. They're not going to want to pay their capital gains tax. And you made so much in real estate and you have so much in assets that you better believe every single one of those kids is lawyered up. The partners are lawyered up. And now you have a tremendous estate tax bill as well. It is a catastrophe what happens when people do not plan. And I understand no one wants another legal bill. Who needs it? But here's the thing. If you can do the right preservation planning, and that means you have a one-time fee to any attorney who's competent in this area. And it can provide you peace of mind for your family. Ensure that your family will not break up because of money afterwards. Protect your tax implications and protect you from any creditor, divorcing spouse, tenant. Why wouldn't you do it?
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And with that in mind, can you talk to us a little bit about what tools are out there in the framework of wealth preservation that investors can actually utilize to protect their assets? Sure. So here's a bunch of things. You want to make your asset, which is, let's call it sexy, okay? You want to make sexy not so sexy. So we're, we're rolling back Justin Timberlake. We're not bringing sexy back. We're making sexy less sexy. And your real estate asset that's really sexy, here's how you're going to make it less sexy. You're going to put as much mortgage as you can on it, as long as the numbers make sense. Why? Because the mortgage is the first position lender. They're in the first position to get back any monies. Thereby, it's not fully baked property that's ready for the taking. Number two, don't you dare have anything in your own personal name, okay? Or don't even think, I'm going to put it in my kids' names. Oh, because your kids' marriages are so healthy? Because <laughs> your kids don't do drugs, God forbid? Because your kids don't drink and drive, God forbid? I mean, come on. Are you willing to lose the shirt on your back because of your kids' problems? And it could be something benign. It could be daughter-in-law or son-in-law that you don't like. Well, guess what? That's a major problem if it's in their name. And like, don't think that you're smarter than the IRS. Oh, I'm going to put it in my kid's name and then I'm not going to pay tax. Stupid. You will pay tax because they don't know what the hell to do and they just want the money. So believe you me that they're going to make a tax mistake. Okay. And John Rockefeller said, by the way, own nothing, control everything. And that is exactly what the third thing I want to talk to you about is trust planning, okay? A trust, LLCs, LLPs, they ensure that you control property, but your name is not directly on it. Now, it's a miracle in America that everyone can know that Ellie is actually the owner, but if your personal name is not on it, it can't be taken from you. How amazing. So we have this myth of like entity ownership. I mean, a business is not a living, breathing thing. It's us that build the business, but yet it's allowed in our legal code. So why would you not take advantage of it? It's simply about exacerbating the laws that exist to your benefit, period. Now, look, if you do have LLCs, do not mix the LLCs. They should not be owning A, B, C, and D property because what happens if an inside creditor from D slips and falls or the roof falls down or whatever the hell, and now they're going to be able not to come just against D, but against properties A, B, C, and D. Exactly. And even if it costs a little bit more to have multiple LLCs and pay multiple you know, franchise taxes in some states like in California it's well worth it because you want to separate your assets. So each LLC controls a different asset. Now, if you're a passive investor, it's a little bit different because there's, you know, more, you basically own a share of the company that owns the property. So there's still separation. So I wanted to ask you, Natalie, you mentioned something about a trust. And I'm very curious because I've seen some of my investors that have been investing passively in, in syndications through a family trust. Can you tell us a little bit about what is a family trust and how you create one? Sure. So people are really scared about the word trust. And I could not make it more of my mission in life to dispel that fear and to ensure that people actually trust the trust. So here's the thing about what trusts are. 
They're simply a legal contract between you as a grantor and or settlor. Those terms are used interchangeably. A trustee, which can or cannot be you, depending on the type of trust we do, and beneficiaries. So here's the thing. Let's take the best one first. Everyone wants to be a beneficiary. You sit back, do nothing, and collect cash. The dream is to be a beneficiary. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Okay? So this is typically what our kids will be. And, you know, all of our viewers, that's typically who you're putting in the beneficiary spot. Trustee, if it's a living trust. So family trust doesn't denote whether it's going to be a living or revocable. Those are interchangeable. Or irrevocable trust. So here's the difference. Irrevocable sounds scary because it kind of is. There are a few changes, if any, that can be made in a typical irrevocable trust agreement. Why does anyone do it? Because that's the kind of trust that gives you asset protection. However, you can make your irrevocable trust a little bit more sexy by putting in the right jurisdictions, such as Nevada, such as Alaska, such as Wyoming, that have amazing asset protection laws, and thereby you still can have control of the asset and be not the owner. So thereby your irrevocable trust acts like a living trust, breathes like a living trust, but gives you the benefits. And then there is the less sophisticated, I'll call it vanilla trust, which is the living revocable trust. And that trust essentially does two things. Number one, it allows for the transaction to occur, so for everything to go outside of probate. Probate is a word people hear a lot, they don't know what it means. When you have a will or you die without a will, those assets go through a court process. That court process is called probate, and the probate literally means in Latin to prove a will. So you air all your dirty laundry to the court, and by the way, to anyone who wants to look up what's happening in your family. And then the court takes its sweet time granting your proposed executor as the executor and granting letters of testamentary. Now, what have you just done? You've wasted tons and tons and tons of money and time to your kids. You've made them e-liquid for a year or more sometimes. You've opened up the possibility for state litigation between your kids and anyone else in the woodwork. Mm -hmm. And you've aired all your dirty laundry. What a trust does is it avoids that probate process so that it goes directly. In my trust, Ellie, everything is going to you. Congratulations. This is really an <laughs> Thank <amazing> you. <laughs> and thereby, the next day after I die, you have the death certificate and you show that to the successor trustee. Boom, boom, boom. Check made out to you in your trust <laughs> if you have one, right? Amazing. As opposed to that year-long process, lawyer's fees, all the things that can come up, Okay. And it also allows you to build in trust within the trust. Now, here's why that's a nice thing. Because I have two little girls, Arielle and Brielle, and they are both under 18 months. I know you guys are all thinking, wow, she looks great for that. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the deal. I don't want my money going to my kids to a guardian who may or may not know what the hell to do with that money. And even if, let's say, heaven forbid, if I pass away and they're both over 18, 18 is still a child. Mm -hmm. They're in 
college where there's a ready availability of everything. And I want my kids to be able to continue the legacy I built, not piss it all away. So you want to ensure that whether it's through a will or trust, all those things are protected. So when people invest with you through a family trust, I say, thank goodness, because now whatever monies are going to roll in, you as the syndicator do not have to wait for letters of testamentary to be issued and for probate to happen. And more importantly, their kids don't have to wait to get paid out, whether or not whatever life happens to mom and dad. Interesting. Beautiful, beautiful tool. Interesting. And, you know, I want to kind of transition and talk about the process. You know, when someone wants to start a family trust, how does it look like? Let's say they reach out to you. What do they need to do? What do they need to know in order to get it started? Great. We want a really seamless and happy process. We know we're talking about death. I completely repositioned it in my firm. It's your life and legacy plan. That's it. It's your life and legacy plan. So I need to know about your life and what you want to do with your legacy. So here's what I need to know about your life. Who are you as a person? What's your legal name? Where do you live? Same for your spouse. I want to know a little bit about you and your spouse. Like, is your spouse a spendthrift? Is she shopping, you know, every day at Louis Vuitton? Or is she someone who can understand it? Now, if you're a woman who happens to be a breadwinner, which many, many of us, thank goodness, are becoming, what do we do then? Does your spouse know how to protect money and how to deal with money? These are very basic questions we need to understand. Secondly, tell me about your kids. Do you have a Tom, Dick, and Harry? Do you have one that you think could be a problem? Do you have an in-law, one of their chosen spouses that you think could be a problem? We need to know these things because how are we going to position your wealth to ensure that it goes down to your grandkids? Because Ellie, we both have wonderful husbands and love them dearly, but you betcha that every person I've ever spoken to does not want to benefit daughter-in-law, but would rather benefit the grandkids. And I get that, you know? So what are we doing to properly protect the next generation, okay? And then, look, the reality of today is people have major alcohol issues. They have depression. They have drug issues. We need to know these things. I mean, literally, you get, like, metaphorically undressed in front of your trust attorney, which is probably why most people, 64% of people die without having a will done. But 64 people, 64% of people. Can you imagine 200 million Americans right now are walking around knowing that they're going to die one day with no will. And I would probably make it 90% Ellie if it was people who maybe had a will when their first child was born and haven't updated it in 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's not just the wealthy who need this because very basically, And many people without the right planning can lose everything they've ever built in that last five years of life. And many, especially men, I'll say this, think that their long-term care plan is their wife. And I turn around to them and I say, get on the floor. Can your wife pick you up without any help? Can your wife change your diaper? Literally. I mean, this is what happens to people. And I know we're all thriving now. We're buying real estate. We're We're building young and healthy. Yeah. reality. Uh Uh-huh. And if that's the reality, what steps are we taking to make sure that we're going to be properly cared for and that our legacy will live beyond us? 
Right. And all these things, you know, we definitely need to think about because I think that in our nature, we're not designed to think about the worst case, you know, the worst scenario, the worst case possible, what's going to happen in 30 years, but time flies. And as you mature and get older, hopefully you're going to accumulate more and more and more assets. And it's, it's only natural that you, you will need to protect, you know, your assets. And let me ask you this, Natalie, when it comes to a family trust, how long does it take to create one? And what are the usual costs to create one and then to maintain it every year? Okay, great. So look, the cost can vary depending on which state you're in. Typically, lawyers can be anywhere from a few thousand to multiple thousands, even six figures for the right plan. However, if you have a six-figure plan that someone's proposing to you, pay it. Because that means that you have so many millions behind you that will be protected and secured that it's well worth the fraction of the cost. So whatever it is, it's going to be a fraction. I mean, look, for a typical family that maybe has one or two investment properties and their own house and you know some stock accounts, et cetera, it's probably going to be between five and 10000 That's the going rate around the country, okay? For someone with even simpler, maybe they only have their house and their two kids that are perfect little angels and will never fight, right? So those people are looking probably even less than that number. And for people with significant property, you're looking at way more than that. But again, it's almost like you're buying a one-time insurance policy that's going to be the best insurance policy you ever buy. You don't have to keep paying premiums every year. You don't have to do much to upkeep it. Once you have your trust in place, you're golden. So if you have an irrevocable trust, depending on how it's established, it can be a grantor, non-grantor. It's a little bit more complex than I wanted to go into today. Most likely, if you're doing a grantor trust, which is the most common, it's going to flow through the income to your personal return. So it's not even going to be another return a year. If you're doing a non-grantor trust, that's a little bit of a different story. But look, for the minimal cost every year, if you can have peace of mind and do a one-time thing to protect your family, and then let's say every five or 10 years, we come back to the drawing board just to see what's happening. And you have perhaps a relationship ongoing with someone like me who can tell you, okay, this new property that we're buying, we're just going to do a new LLC. We're going to put it into the trust. Everything's going to go through this trust vehicle. You know, I mean, like, it's so important. And really my mission is to empower people around the world mm -hmm. about how they can protect their money. Because Ellie, today, you know, my biggest client from last year was a Hong Kong family that had property in places that I'm licensed in, in the country. So what do you do, right? I mean, like, do you know what to do physically to get hold of that property so that you can sell it? And if the answer is no, then why are we so in a rush to buy more, buy more, buy more, but we're like kind of on the treadmill. We're going, we're going, we're going, but we're not getting anywhere. Just set it, forget it, and enjoy your life. Be able to live a legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Natalie, so much for sharing, you know, your thoughts and your knowledge about protecting, you know, your wealth, preserving your wealth and doing it the right way. I think that's really important. You've definitely opened my mind to what, you know, we all need to do as real estate owners. And really, you know, I thank you for that. So we have arrived to our last part of the interview, which is the lightning round questions. Are you ready? 
I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Natalie, what's your favorite hobby? Oh, God, I have hobbies. Networking and talking. Networking. <laughs> talking is my favorite hobby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is the one thing that people don't know about you? That I am actually quite sensitive, despite my exterior of being very, you know, I have a very soft and gentle heart. All right. Well, I need that. What do you wish you had known when you just started as a wealth preservation expert? That people are going to judge you because you're a woman. People are going to judge you because you're young. People are going to think that you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's only because they don't know what the hell they're doing. And they've been doing it wrong for 50 years. So you know what? Buckle up, guys. We're ready to take on the world. <laughs> All right. So Natalie, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Amazing. So my website is www.nataliegold.global. And my email is natalie at alishaelishalaw.com. I would be more than happy to talk to anyone from you, Ellie. And I cannot stress enough how amazing, wonderful, beautiful, and brilliant you are and how lucky your viewers are to have your show every week because seriously, what you're doing in this world is amazing and I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. I mean, the feeling is mutual, obviously, but hey, thank you so, so much for being on the show today and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.